Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Uh, okay, thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Frank S., and I am a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater. I'm also grateful that I am a recovering compulsive overeater because I have a well-defined disease that has a 12-step program for it and has a set of principles that I can use to guide my life. I want to thank Carla for inviting me to speak and all her service uh, and at the same time work on my resentment for that. (laughs) Very nervous up there. Uh, Well, let's start um, out um, and talk about what it was like. Uh, growing up, there are a lot of indications that I was a compulsive eater, but it really never showed itself um, in me being overweight. I was a very active kid. I'd ride my bike around the city all the time and play basketball on the playground. Actually, that playground on Robertson Boulevard down the street from one of our meetings. I grew up on the west side of Los Angeles. Um, I was addicted to sweets, and, and that was a great source of comfort for me. But food was my go-to place. And uh, so I wouldn't have to deal with the pain and the discomfort of my life, uh, mostly as a result of two parents that abandoned their four kids and as they were caught up in their own addiction, which uh, I inherited as well. I loved sweets. I could never get enough. All the breakfast cereals, all the Kegelongs brands were my favorite, usually three, four, five bowls every morning for breakfast and loved, you know, drinking the savoring after effect of the milk soaked in with the the residue of the cereal. And, you know, I was a creature of habit. If I liked something, I just wanted to eat as much as I could all the time. You know, I didn't understand. I don't understand people today that say, oh, what do you want to have for dinner? Well, I had Chinese the other night. How? I, what's that have to do with it? You know, uh, my stomach has no memory. If I like it, I want it. and I want it all the time. And that, that was pretty much the story. But I love candy the most. I could never get quite enough of it. And I remember having a very large paper out um, in the city, and uh, I would buy at least two or three boxes of candy uh, every stop I could in the local liquor stores. I still remember where they used to be on Robertson, La Cienega, and all the streets in the neighborhood. And uh, and I would literally just inhale them and couldn't wait to the get uh, get to the next stop. And I was, uh, you know, basically an all or nothing. Uh, eater. My, my grandmother used to make this very special dessert, kind of a Russian thing. We called it fruit soup. And I had to have like several jars of it all at once. And she begged me, Frankie, please, just one, you know, bowl at a time. And, uh, but I convinced her that, uh, you know, I thought it was great logic that how about I not have any for four days? And on the fifth day, I would have five bowls. And so that worked for both of us. Seemed to make sense, but I, I wonder if I was a compulsive uh, overeater back then. Just wondering. Anyway, a lot of poor eating habits continued throughout my teen years, but my weight was never really an issue because uh, I was always active. And after college, uh, I got into the business world, and here I was sitting at a desk job and just at a desk as I am today. And that's when weight uh, became an issue. It started to creep up. It didn't bother me too much because I was actively involved in my other addiction. That had to do with the other type of chips, you know, the non-edible kind, the 
the ones that ate me alive? Well, as I would make feeble attempts um, for abstinence and recovery in my other program, uh, I would make some token efforts uh, to work on my overeating issues, uh, mostly all the crazy fad diets, uh, a lot of restricting, sometimes 800,000 calories a day, lots of fasting, and, um, you know, uh, lots of bike riding, sometimes 30 or more miles a day. So I would, you know, uh, exercise more calories than I ate. And uh, uh, and as a result, there were many, many times back in my 30s and 40s where I could literally lose 50 pounds in 50 days. And, uh, and But after returning to a somewhat reasonable body weight, I would gradually, you know, regain the weight. I'd sometimes pop into an OA meeting because I knew I belonged. I'd show up for a couple weeks, again, not really doing any of the work, doing what's necessary. And then I might vanish for three to ten years and then come back again. Uh, I had much bigger problems back then than food and weight. What happened? Well, back in early 2011, I was finally able to surrender to my, you know, primary disease. I dove uh, into the 12 steps uh, of recovery and exhibited the willingness to, to go to any length and, and have been able to sustain that willingness since that time. But no matter how much I tried, I was unable to use my other program to work on this disease. There were two main issues, two main defects that I had, that were, um, being bored and stressed. And and that's what always led me uh, to, to, to overeating. And I was good at losing the weight. I'd have a certain amount of uh, willpower. But I knew uh, that I had an emotional disease. I have an emotional disease, and, and it requires a, a spiritual solution. Uh, so after about losing 50 pounds uh, back in uh, in those years, um, you know, I, I started uh, dating, and uh, I met my girlfriend. We've been together, um, uh, and that was six and a half years ago. We've been together ever, ever since. But about two years ago, after having put on over a four-year period more than 50 pounds, she had a very serious talk with me. And she said that she was no longer attracted to me physically and that it was affecting our sexual intimacy. Hearing that from one of the sweetest, kindest person that I've ever met really stung me at first. But I was hit with a dose of reality. And I, you know, I, and I, and I thought to myself, how would I act if the reverse were true? You know, the double standard. And, and if she just put on 10 pounds instead of the 50 that I put on. So it was quite courageous for her to express her feelings, uh, and concerns. And that was, uh, the turning point for me to begin this process again. But again, it was kind of doing it on my own. Um, I decided I had returned to OA, but I did make the sort of commitment that was necessary, uh, you know, to have true uh, recovery. Um, I started uh, going to meetings. I thought, oh, it would be a good idea, again, on my own, to do 90 meetings in 90 days. And so I hopped into uh, every morning that vision for you telephone meeting. Uh, uh, great meeting, too. Uh, but, you know, I had the safety of not <laughs> sharing at the meeting. And and so, uh, of course, that uh, wasn't very useful or as useful as it could have been otherwise. Um, I started attending a, a Tuesday stag meeting, um, which was based on a, a local meeting in Santa Monica that I used to go to. And there I was able to connect. And there, um, you know, they would call on uh, the speakers, uh, we call it involuntarily. So half the meeting, I'm just 
praying, please don't call on me. <laughs> I don't want to share. And, and of course, uh, I get called on usually towards the end. But uh, anyway, uh, just to make the, the story worse. But, you know, uh, my main issue uh, for this program is that I knew since I was so active in my other program that it would be very difficult for me to um, to have that total willingness that I needed to get what's possible in these rooms. Uh, you know, again, I'm that all or nothing sort of person. You know, remember the fruit soup story? And so, um, but then I realized that all I really needed to have was just a little bit of willingness to get started. And if I trusted the process, the rest of the willingness um, would show up, and it did. A, di- a big turning point for me is when I came to this very meeting. Uh, boy, this is the part where I might start crying, but this kitchen sink meeting early in January 2021, and I heard an incredible speaker. Uh, their clarity of thought and humility and, and wisdom just struck a chord within me. And amazingly enough, at the end of the meeting, their hand went up. Uh, oh, by the way, this is my first attempt at being gender gender neutral pronoun proactive. So if we mess up, can you give us a break? <laughs> you know, so I took down their number. I didn't call them right away, but I waited a few months, and the conversation went well. I told them that I was reluctant to get a sponsor, since that would mean that I'd have to immerse myself in the program, and that given my commitments in my other program, I had eight sponsees, I hosted uh, an international Zoom meeting every day. I was in charge of conventions and workshops and all these other things, and I couldn't really commit to much or what I thought would be required to make this program. Their response, do I know the serenity prayer? Absolutely. I live by it, I, I thought. So I recited it for them, and then I was put to, pa- to task. What did I have to accept? What could I change? At first, I wanted to look like the perfect little sponsee and said, well, I was willing to spend two hours a day writing on the steps and go to five meetings a week and call three members and all that. And then I thought, wait a second. If I would commit to that, I'd be overwhelming myself. I'd be setting myself up for failure once again, and I'd be compromising the very integrity of the life that I worked so hard to create at this point. So here's what I said. I could commit to two meetings a week, a short phone call daily, and turning my food in nightly. And they said, that was fine. I said, so we started working together, me and all one of them. <laughs> they met me where I was exactly at, and that had not, and had that not happened in exactly that way, I probably wouldn't be here now. And for that, I'm immensely and forever grateful. Okay, what it's like now. Well, maybe more important, how have I sustained my recovery? And what are the most important things that I've learned to get to the place that I'm at? Here are some key concepts. Contrary action. You know, not acting on my first thought. Sometimes not even acting on my second or third thought. (laughs) Pausing, reflecting, asking for guidance from fellows and mentors and sponsors and my higher power and strangers on the street. You know, as time goes on, my first thought may be the next indicated action. Because one of the promises of our program is we'll intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. Nonetheless, contrary action for me today is to still run it through the filter of the program to ensure the likelihood of a better outcome. Taking direction. Well, there's always been a lot of resistance there. I generally think I know the best course of action. I'm a good problem solver before recovery and in recovery. 
well, of course, that great thinking destroyed most of my life. So today, I'm able to take guidance and support, and and when I do so, the outcomes are absolutely amazing. I've often said that two seven-year-old kids could have could have done a better job running my life for most of my life, including these last years of recovery too. Surrender, total surrender, willingness to go to any length. Remembering that overeating is never an option. There are so many people in this program that have lost jobs and careers and businesses and loved ones and ended relationships and suffered massive health challenges, and they have found a way to stay abstinent. There's no situation that anyone has ever that's ever occurred that somebody hasn't been able to use the tools of this program to get through. What I always like to say is that our program doesn't guarantee that your life will get better, just that you'll deal with life better. Acceptance. Another great friend used to say, acceptance does not mean agreement. Any situation that comes into my life can't be wished away. As I try to move towards embracing it, uh, since that's really the only true option, it happened. There's nothing I could do about it. I get this opportunity where I can learn and grow and use the tools of the program to get through it. I don't blame God. I don't question why. I simply accept it. Then I adapt and embrace it. And when I do that, it's amazing how it advances my recovery. Every problem, every pain or challenge in my life is a gift. It's an opportunity to grow, to learn, to serve, and to have purpose. Amends. Oh, I honestly believe I've made a lot of amends to the best of my ability in, in most every area of my life. And when possible, I look for opportunities to do a lot more. Uh, another friend once asked, uh, when I asked him, 45 years in recovery, you know, what's the most important thing that he does in his recovery today? And he said, find joy in making amends. But that was a crazy concept. <laughs> but that's how I try to live my life today. I go above and beyond. And of course, in certain areas of life, it's not possible to make amends and for a number of reasons, but I can make living amends giving back to others and being of service, just in the smallest way. If I can help somebody here in this room today, then uh, it, from making some of the mistakes that I made, uh, then that's a way that I've given back. And uh, and the other thing that I've done, and I've returned to those uh, that I've made previous amends to and found that I could do more, not out of a sense of guilt, but true joy, going above and beyond. Who benefits the most? I do, really. So in that sense, it's kind of selfish. Faith and trust, knowing that God has a better plan for me than I can ever conceive, and that any challenges that are placed uh, before me are gifts. If I'm disturbed by anything, it's an opportunity to look inside and see what needs to be worked on, just like an infection. It tells you there's something wrong. Take a look at it. And the beauty is that I don't have to do this alone. The gratitude list, that's a very important part of my recovery. No matter how bad my day gets, there's always many, many things that I have to be grateful for. I'm part of multiple uh, gratitude lists. Uh, some of them I have missed a day for more than eight years. And although some some of the people on my list wish I would, given the fact that even though we're supposed to only do a you know minimum of five, I usually do eight or ten. I can never just I can go on forever, and uh, and they're very lengthy. And uh, but it's an insurance policy. It's a, it, as you know, you know. It's impossible to be unhappy while you're feeling gratitude. So just from that standpoint alone, it's useful. And if I miss a day uh, or someone else misses a, a few, the others in the group 
can check on them uh, and see if they're okay. So that's a great insurance policy. Complacency. Oh, that's a big one. You've heard it a million times. You can't get clean on yesterday's shower. Well, today I work harder than I ever have in this program. If the results weren't there, I would have stopped a long time ago. But by being accountable and vulnerable and connected and transparent, I can avoid complacency. Uh, here's an excerpt uh, from yesterday's for today, but it's so powerful. And uh, that if you understand this, you probably don't need to listen to the rest of what I have to say. It goes something like this. The strength of man consists in finding out the way in which God is going and going in that way, too. God's way is the path of spiritual principles that make my life work under any conditions. I know that. But once I have good abstinence and weight, I said it wrong. I know that once I have good abstinence and weight loss, it's tempting to rest on my laurels and ignore the suggestion to continue seeking spiritual recovery. Like others before me, sooner or later I discover that God's way does not end with abstinence and weight loss, or even with regular attendance at meetings. The recovering compulsive overeaters have what I want, are without exception working the 12-step program on a continuing basis and practicing its spiritual principles in everything they do. Meetings. Meetings make it, yes, but that's a starting point. It's important to share at meetings what's really going on. It's important to have a home meeting that you're accountable to. And if you can't make it, people get a hold of you. Another insurance policy. But even more important, what do we do in between meetings? You know, someone once sent me the results of a study uh, a few months back about by recovery uh, specialists that indicated that those that just went to a few meetings a week but did the writing and work in between were three or four times more successful than those that went to a lot of meetings a week. So I took that to heart. And something that really sticks with me, I've heard uh, lately, if you want to feel better, go to a meeting. If you want to get better, do the steps. Sponsorship. That is vital. To get through all that I mentioned. Five minutes left, Frank. Ah, thank you, John. Right on schedule. Uh, it is vital to get through all that I've uh, mentioned previously. Uh, with help. We need help. We can't do this alone. You know, this is a disease of isolation. And uh, it's so important to connect with someone that's been through this journey, someone that has what you want. Well, let me cover my daily routine, and I'll try to kind of get through this quickly. I do a five-minute meditation uh, every morning after reading uh, today's reflection, and I write out a daily prayer um, and recite it three times a day. Thank you, iPhone alarms, because I'd forget otherwise. Here's mine for today. Dear God, please take away any defects of character that hold me back from serving you and others. Give me the strength to understand and carry out your will. And for today, June 4th, please help me be mindful, present, loving, and supportive. Please also allow me to access your love and wisdom while I prepare and share at today's OA meeting. Please also remind me throughout the day that the purpose of my life is to let go of my stuff. Anyway, then I read uh, excerpts from page um, 86 and 87, um, the, you know, on the awakening part. We consider our plans for the day. Uh, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking from self-pity, dishonesty, self-seeking motives. And then, then that middle part of it, we talks about uh, 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 doing a, having a prayer, uh, um, and I use the third step prayer, which is a cornerstone in my recovery. You all know it. I'll say it again, but I'll kind of paraphrase it because and how I use it in my life. God, I offer myself, I say it this way, to you to build with me. Okay, to be my partner. We're going to do this together. If you're going to have any kind of partner, why not use the higher power? 
um, and for me to do as you wish. My wishes are irrelevant. Never send me down the right path. Uh, relieve me of the bondage of self. Get out of myself. Why? So that I can do your will. Take away my difficulties. Well, that sounds uh, selfish, but no, it's not, because victory over them will bear witness. There'll be proof to those that, that I might help of your power, your love, and your way of life. And may I do your will always. Very simple prayer. Gets me through everything. Tenth step. After working through the uh, steps, um, you know, the fourth step, of course, I engage in the tenth step throughout the day. I've done my spring cleaning, which is step four. I just need daily maintenance. I clean up my side of the street. Here's a crazy idea that I do my best to follow. I look for where I am wrong in every situation, not right. If I'm right, there's nothing to learn, no one to help, no one to be connected with. All right, here are the questions that I get to address every night and send it to my sponsor. How was I resentful, hurt, selfish, unkind, dishonest, or fearful? Name the person, place, or thing. Do I owe an apology or an amend? What's my next action? It's important that if there's a situation I didn't clean up during the day, that I go throughout the day and look back at it and say, okay, if I can't, you know, do it tonight before I go to sleep, first thing in the morning or whenever it's, you know, practically possible. Then I uh, answer the question, did I go to a meeting or reach out to someone? Uh, what did I do for myself today? What brought me joy today? What is the one thing that I'm grateful for other than my abstinence? Who or what needs my praise today? What could I have done better today? What actions did I take today to connect with my higher power or my best self? And what's my daily spiritual or self-improvement action today, and did I achieve it? And finally, service. I usually ha- always have a commitment, uh, secretary, admin, timer, phone list. I'm a big believer in the idea that what you give back to the world always comes comes back, and usually many times over. It just doesn't always come back from the same source. I call my sponsor every day at a designated time to check in, usually not more than 90 seconds. And one of the tools that has helped me the most is turning my food in the night before. If it's not an option, it's not a problem. I don't have to think about what I'm going to eat and how much. If it's decided ahead of time, I'm deciding it in a moment when I have clear thought and I'm rational. Because when I'm in the midst of food, I generally will not make good decisions because they're always based on emotions. I still can't believe that the obsession to overeat has been lifted. Not sure how and when. I enjoy my food. I look forward to meals. And sometimes I even feel a little sadness when I'm done. But not because I'm not satiated. Because the day I actually take the time to taste my food and I truly enjoy them. One of the miracles of the program is that earlier I uh, this year, I bought a 20-ounce bag of those expensive nuts grown in Hawaii. And in my past lives, that bag would probably not make it through Sunday night, through the weekend, even if I bought it on Sunday night. Today, it's still in my cupboard, one ounce every week or so. That's that's a miracle. That's unbelievable. And I'll wrap with this. You know, I'm reminded of a conversation that I'll have with some of my friends in my other program that will say, oh, great, oh, you're looking good. And, and then I'll tell them I'm an OA and, They'll say, how much weight have you lost? I usually respond by saying, it's like going up to a compulsive gambler and asking them to show them their wallet to see how they're doing in program. But even so, I also put too much weight on the weight, the W-E-I-G-H-T. And I need to put more weight. Sorry, Frank, that's your time. Thank you. And I need to put more weight on the weight, W-A-I-T. It's all in God's time. Thank you all again for giving me this opportunity to share. I am nothing without you, and I love you all. Okay, now I have to go back to uh, if – thank you. 
If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. All right. I see Heather. Go right ahead, Heather. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you to unmute. I think we need uh, – uh, uh, sorry about oh, we have sorry. the control. No, sorry that's fine. That. No, the controls were turned <laughs> off, so no problem. Go ahead, Heather. Thank you. Oh, what a wonderful, incredible share. Uh, like we said, the, uh, the defect of character is uh, boredom and um, and stress. And I was like, oh, then I was sucked. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is the perfect meeting to uh, to go to. Oh, and um, I love when you, you got to talk to your wife. And at that point, how did you – because obviously weight gain and, and loss is part of this as part of our disease. And at that point, what were your first steps into going, okay, it's time for me to do this again? Okay. Well, again, uh, and sadly, I didn't say, okay, I have to really, really do whatever it takes to jump into program. You know, I'm a firm believer is we're not ready till we're ready. You know, there's lots of people that have been around for me in so many areas of my life. And I just wasn't ready at the time. And I don't know that there's anything anyone specifically can ever say to make that difference. But it was the catalyst in getting started. And since I had uh, what I felt was a relatively strong program already and a strong faith in my higher power, um, it, it allowed me to say, say I, I, I need to really make a significant change here. And, and again, and not just make token efforts into the program. And so, but it took time because it, when that happened, it, 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 it took um, probably about six months before I decided to um, start going to the 90 meetings in 90 days and, and then taking a phone number from this very meeting and then three months later asking the person to be my sponsor. So um, I wish I could say it was just that was enough, but it was enough to get me started. I hope that answered Thank your question. You. Yeah, no, it was very honest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. And Amanda, welcome to your first meeting. Wow. Hey, thanks. Um, so I heard you mention a little bit about uh, another 12-step program that you work, and I'm in a similar boat, um, and I've abstained from that addiction for a little over two years. But my question is, um, I'm curious how you how you managed working both programs at the same time, because um, there's obviously a lot of overlap. Um and perhaps if you have any suggestions um, in that in that area. Well, that was what held me back for so long was the fact that, um, as I tried to get across, um, that I was so involved in one, and I and I just absolutely believed that I had to go completely all in the same way, and I had to make the massive commitments I did to have the the recovery that I had, and I. And that was, I was wrong about that. I just needed a little bit of willingness to do that. And again, um, what an old sponsor used to tell me all the time is the idea of nowhere in our literature does it say more will be figured out, more will be revealed. We have to allow it to happen. I'm the type of person who wants to know exactly how things are going to turn out. I don't do good in gray. I don't do good with uncertainty. But I had to have this faith and trust. And if I truly have this faith and trust in my higher power, then I have to take the best of that and use it in this new program. But really, it's about taking direction. And if I find, if you find the right person to work with, they'll guide you through that. 
And if they know that you're overwhelmed or very active in something else, they'll gently support you to get through this. And you start small baby steps like everything else. I, I remember, and this helped a long time ago, not that it kept me in, but somebody just told me, uh, yeah, it might have been eight or ten years ago, another, you know, uh, minor attempt at uh, making this program. They said, what can you do for 30 days? Think of something. Maybe it was food related. Can you give up this for 30 days? Or can you not do this? For, you know, whatever it was. Or can you just go to a meeting? Or Whatever that was, start somewhere. But again, I think it's so important for us not to figure this out on our own. Let it be revealed to you. And just by showing up, asking these questions, going to lots of different meetings, the answers will come. But it's, yeah, I, I don't work this program the same way that I, that I work the other program. However, I have over time consolidated some because most of my 10 step at night is about the same, you know, the same sorts of things come up. When it's specifically related to food, then I'll write that in. But I do one big 10 step that is available to both of my sponsors. Uh, and, uh, but a lot of the other stuff, I do them a little bit differently, but I had to come in a clean slate. I had to just, I don't know anything and I had to learn all over again. And, and that's okay. That's okay because this time around, because I took that approach, um, I'm at the beginning of this true recovery that everyone talks about that I see here in these rooms. Thank you, Amanda. Hi, Deb. Go right ahead. Hi, Frank. Wow, that was beautiful. I'm so glad I was here for this. Um, so you had talked about um, when you see that you're wrong, you kind of take care of it. So what is that like in relationships and with your girlfriend and things like that? Um, you know, how do you work it? Okay, well, here, this is – this is. Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. I did want to – if I had more time, I would have shared about this. I wanted to share about the, the things that I still need to work on. And for people here in these rooms and for everywhere else I go in my life, everyone thinks that I'm this kind, gentle soul. I garner a lot of respect and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, how am I at home, you know, and the person I spend the most time with? I see her just once a week. I'll go to her place on one weekend. She'll come to my place and all that. And she gets the brunt of the worst of me. And, 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 and I, I, I work on that. I disclose it all the time. I'm not proud of it. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I just, it's things that I need to work on are, are, are criticism, judgment, simple things like I'm in your kitchen and I'm making something. And why do I have to walk six steps to the other room to pull the olive oil spray from the pantry when it should be right next to the stove? Everyone in the world knows that. And I just can't let those little things go. And I'll make snide remarks or comments or whatever. And, and, and I still have trouble with that. And, I, and I've gotten a million percent better, but it still comes up, and it's a source. You know, it's a control issue. That It's basically that's what it is. She's had a pretty good life without me her entire life. You know, she had, she's a widow. Her husband, I'm her first date in 40 years. Her husband died a few years before we met, and it's she's three years older than I am. And, I mean, she's had a really great life. I don't need to change anything about it. One of the things I learned in this program is all about keeping me keeping you exactly as you are and working on me. And and so, yes, I'm at the point now with her where even an apology doesn't make sense. I don't want to hear it. It, it means nothing. They're empty words because I'll catch myself. And so 
there's a lot that I do. Before I go to her, I say a prayer. You know, I, dear God, help me. Help. And, and, and sometimes it helps. And then afterwards, at night, I'll write about it. I'll do whatever I possibly can. And it's one of those character defects that God's not willing to help me get rid of yet. But I, I still, still have hope. And I'm a work in progress, and, and I'm, that's why I continue to come to these meetings, because it's absolutely vital that I share about these things and bring it out to the universe and, and maybe even get some feedback and support from others that have experienced that. But if I'm criticizing or, or judging or doing anything um, towards anybody else, it's a clear idea there's something not going on right with me inside. And if I take the time to pause and reflect, I'll get to see what that is. Because the world is exactly as it should be. And I have to continue. Either God is everything or God's nothing. Thanks, Deb. Hi, Vincent. Hey, Frank. Thank you for your wonderful share. I have a question for you. Have you found in the program a new sense of freedom or joy? And if so, can you actually describe what that is or how that it feels like? Well, I'll try to describe it without crying. You know, I find joy in my life every single moment, even in the difficult times. I don't search for happiness. Joy is a a state that can coexist with pain and sadness. And, uh, and I found that and I think, I think it, 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 it brought it to another level when I got serious about this program. This program has helped my other program. There's a lot that I gather here that I'm able to share elsewhere and the other program has helped me in this program so you know it's a a synergistic effect and and the joy i find is in everyday life uh just coming to a room having a newcomer show up and then seeing them 30 days later and 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 being inspired by the changes they've made in their life the growth that's taken place because it does suggest that you know maybe i'm changing a little bit too and maybe my life's getting a lot better um you know I didn't, n- nothing I said is an original thought. You know, I'm a thief. I've sold everything that I have that's good, you know, and I can share it with you. So I guess I'm, I'm an unselfish thief in some ways. But, but, um, you know, one of the things that, that I really, really, uh, try to work on is that this idea of every person that comes into my life, whether it's in these rooms, crossing the street, in the supermarket, cutting off, cutting me off in traffic, is better for having met me. And and most of the days I'm able to do that in some small way. And that... Uh, five minutes left. Thank you. I'll reserve the last five minutes for crying because that just brings me immense joy, you know, that I can add to the universe. So much of my life I took away from it. And I've really, truly devoted the rest of my life to to making amends, finding joy in making amends, and uh, making this earth a little bit better than when I first came on. And uh, so there's joy in every activity. Uh, you know, I have a family Zoom meeting every Wednesday night with my two kids who live up north and their mom, my ex-wife. Every We're closer today than we were when we were happily married, you know, 25 years ago. What's possible? Is just amazing, and, and there's not a day that there's not massive joy in my life, and, and uh, so thank you, thank you, and thanks for being a big part of that for me, Vincent. 
We have time for a few more questions. Just uh, unmute yourself if you'd like to ask them. Um, Frank, what's your concept of a higher power? Okay, that is a great question. Um, the fact that I'm hesitating is it's not clearly defined. Um, I happen to be Jewish, but more, you know, I'm cultural. I uh, I believe and, you know, a concept of the universe, uh, you know, I'd like to say like everyone, oh, I'm this spiritual person, I'm not religious sort of thing. But I believe that there is um, a force out there that wants me to be my best self and is there for me uh, to assist when I want. It's and 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 when I when I have when I show that willingness. And it was explained to me years ago by someone. It's like, you know, uh, in the old days with the TV and you had the dials and all that. It's like the signal's coming in constantly. I just haven't been able to tune into the right channel. And and that's what I continually try to do is fine-tune myself to get to that right channel and allow that to come in. But I see evidence of the higher power everywhere in my life. So um, it, it's somewhat undefined, but it's something that I rely upon all throughout the day because without it, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have the beautiful life that I have. So, um, again, I probably didn't answer the question that well, but um, it'll give me more food for thought, and maybe I can refine my answer for next time. <laughs> Thanks, Don. I think we still have two more minutes. Is that right, um, John? You got it, Frank. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Carla, go right ahead, please. Hi there, Frank. Um, thank you so much for your share. I, You know, I was wondering, um, can you break it down as to what you do when uh, a certain food calls you or or the behavior calls you? Okay. Well, I'll say this, and I, and I'm, I almost feel guilty saying this. That doesn't happen to me anymore, and I don't know why. You know, uh, all my food is predetermined, and uh, and I'm making the decision at a rational time in my life, and and nothing calls me. The, the obsession has been lifted, and I don't know how. Not sure exactly why, but the foods don't call me. I don't. It, it's just like I can I can cook the sweet stuff for my family and friends, which I do. I can do all this sort of stuff, and it it, it it's not my food. It, I, my mind doesn't go there. I am food neutral, which is a concept that I first tried to understand what that was, and now I've experienced that. So, um, you know, it's it's. I don't think it would be it would be inappropriate for me to answer that because I don't have to deal with that anymore. You know, it's just like, hey, I get three meals a day and one snack and one an additional optional snack. If I it's the new rule with my sponsor is if I, you know, let let that person know ahead of time, and and so um, it's. Sorry, but, uh, yeah, it's not an issue for her anymore. Uh, we have time just for a quick one from Carol. Thank you, Carol. Um, thank you so, 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 so much for your share. Um, what's your favorite tool and your least favorite tool, and how do you work both of them? Well, favorite tool is prayer. Um, serenity prayer, third-step prayer, that gets me through everything. 
my uh, sponsor, old friend, uh, used to tell me, um, you know, his short and short short version of uh, the third step prayer was any challenging situation ahead. Uh, it was um, uh, to say something like, "God, I'm going in. Cover me." Just that simple. Uh, my least favorite tool, and I've gotten a little better at, is reaching out. That's an important tool. And when I reach out, it, it's amazing what I hear. And, and, and how I get to grow when I do that. But in the beginning, that was one of the, the one thing that I was most resistant about. I do it more, but again, not as often as I'd like to. Thank you, Carol. And I recognize our time is up now. So with that in mind, 